here, uh, back at my, my home church, right? my spiritual home, uh, my spiritual family, and, um, and also bringing my new family as well, physically, and there's another one which I'll get onto. But, uh, but, but before I do that, I, there's, a, there's one thing I wanted to get out of the way, because I've been looking forward to coming here for multiple reasons. One is just to see my spiritual family, and we have to share the word with you, which is really, really encouraging. But one of the reasons I was quite excited, I was actually looking forward to come and, and gloat a little bit. Because in all the churches we're a part of, if there's a, 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 a what would you say, a, a concentric mass of South Africans in one place, it's probably right here in Thames Valley. And remembering how many South Africans are here, and just I, I just felt so confident in English rugby team. Uh, it didn't even occur to me the possibility of losing wasn't an option. And I was quite looking forward to coming and gloating. And unfortunately, as we all know, that didn't quite go to plan. Right? And, and we had a little bit of an incident in our Yopro ministry. And, and, you know, just for the sake of uh, the slides, I'm going to move over here. Can I, can, I just, can I speak through this one and move this? Okay, great. I could just go back and forth. Alright, everyone can hear me, yeah? So, uh, we had a little bit of an incident in, in the East. Uh, I lead the Young Professionals Ministry there. And uh, as with a lot of different groups, we have a WhatsApp group. And if you don't know what a WhatsApp group is, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. But um, it's, it's like a messaging group, okay? And all of our Yopro ministry are in, in this messaging group together. And one of our members posted on this, Wahey South Africa, shortly after the loss, as we're grieving. The worst thing about this, she's not even South African. <laughs> she was promptly removed from the group, okay? And, uh, but after, and, and the English were very happy about her being removed as well. Uh, but after a time of, of sober reflection on her part, and then some, and some hopeful repentance, we led her back into the group. And then she proceeded to post uh, photos in the, in the group. One of them being this one. <laughs> the Springbok eating the English rose. Hey England, do you call this 11.28 or 32 to 12? <laughs> I didn't get that one at first, it took me a moment, and I felt even more stupid than that. And they, they got, I don't know, but this crossed the line for me. We have the better ginger. <laughs> they went after Harry, he wasn't even on the pitch, what's happening here? And, and then through was this one, one team, one nation, one spirit. Which I couldn't help but be inspired by. Amen. And to be fair, they dominated us. South Africa deserved it. Yes, they even didn't turn up. Let's give them a round of applause. Anyway. So, so well done to you all here. So I'm definitely not here to gloat, which is kind of helpful. Uh, the title of the message this morning is One Worthy Walk. Uh, as, when I was asked to, to speak here, I kind of called up Malcolm and I called a few people and thought, well, what might be helpful to, to talk on? And, um, and, and I was told that it... Oh no, I've got to see about my family. What am I talking about? Anyway, I, I'll get to that. I was told that your, your theme scripture this year is in Ephesians chapter... I need to my family. What's wrong with me? Um, your theme scripture this year is Ephesians chapter 2. And even without ammunition, we've been looking at Ephesians quite deeply. And, and so today, kind of springboarding from some of the early chapters of Ephesians, are we going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 together. But before that, I've got some people I'd love to introduce you to. So, my wife is here. She's over here to the left. There's also a picture of her. So, on the left, her name's Amy. Um, so, I, I became a Christian here in Thames Valley nine years ago, November 28th. Uh, six years ago, in 2013, I, I left, went out to East London, and I've been working in the ministry there since. And then two and a half years ago, myself and my wife got married, yeah. which has been a real, real blessing. And then... Earlier this year in August, our baby boy Elijah was born. Oh, and, uh, and he's here with us today. He's a very calm, chill baby. Can I introduce him? 
This is a line to write This is Elijah, he is now 11 weeks old, so he's, he's fresh, I've seen him in those days, and he is, he's, he's inquisitive to say the least, and crying a lot. So. But, um, but as I kind of, I look back at the last few years, and even coming here as I was reflecting on, wow, what God has done in my life in the last nine years of being a disciple now, I just feel overwhelmingly blessed. And coming back here, especially to see lots of familiar friends and lots of familiar faces, is always just so, so encouraging to me to remember the, the people in my life who have had such an impact, even early on in my journey, but even a long time since then as well. And so much of the blessing I've received in my life, I owe to many of you and, and the time and effort you, you put in, in with me as well. And, uh, and I'll be sharing about some of that as, as I go through today. So Ephesians chapter uh, 2 was your theme scripture, but we'll move on, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, reading from there. But, but one of the things that's really important before we jump straight into Ephesians chapter 4 is really setting a bit of context as to what we're reading. If you were to read Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6 isolated, it, it wouldn't build the picture fully enough. And in the first three chapters of Ephesians... What Paul is basically pouring out all of the incredible blessings that the church has in God. And as being disciples and all the wonderful things we have of having a relationship with God, he kind of just pours these things out for three chapters. And then he only starts to get on to, okay, then what does it look like for us to respond to all these incredible blessings? But what I did in preparation for this is I, I wanted to study in detail the first three chapters as well to get a bit of an idea for this. And what I've done is I've just listed every single one of the blessings that Paul talks about in those first few chapters. And straight on in the first, he talks about how we are, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And even to be blessed is like we, are, we have divine favor from God. He bestows this, this divine favor on us. He talks about how we are chosen in him. It's not an accident. It's specific intention of God to choose us and to seek us out and to find us. To bring us into his family. That he has adopted each and every one of us as his sons and daughters. This idea that we've been redeemed through the blood of Christ. That's kind of, we, we've been kind of bought back from the slavery of our sin. That we've been forgiven the debt we had against God. That that doesn't stand against us anymore. That we've received God's mercy. And in contrast, it talks about Ephesians, we were objects of wrath. We were rightfully deserving of wrath. But God forgave us and he has given us his mercy instead. We were once dead in our sin, but now we're alive in Christ. We used to live according to the sinful nature, but now we live according to our spiritual nature. Grace is kind of, it literally says he has lavished his grace on us. But he lavished his grace even out across the first three chapters. It's mentioned so many times. But one of the more famous ones is when he says that we've been saved by grace. Not, not because of your good works and good deeds, we're saved by grace, which is so freeing. My salvation doesn't rely on all the great things I can do. It totally relies on what God has already done. It says even we, he's prepared good works for us to do. That kind of encourages me as well, because it's like, wow, he's, he's got some great things for us to do and participate in. That's really great news. This idea that we've been reconciled, brought close to God, but also brought close to each other. That we can have perfect peace in this community through God and through what, what, what Jesus has done. That we're citizens of God's kingdom, that we're members of his family, 
and that we're part of his holy temple. Just uses overflowing, rich analogy and illustration. And I don't know if you feel a tiny bit overwhelmed by that right now, but as I look into that, I feel overwhelmed. It's how do you even wrap your head around this fully? And honestly, that's part of why we have a lifetime to do this, to keep digging deeper and figuring out how incredibly blessed we are in all the things God has given us. And this is where we pick up in Ephesians chapter 4. With all those things in mind, Paul kind of goes on to give the church some, some encouragement and some direction here in Ephesians 4. And in verse 1 it reads, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why Christ said, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. My, my first point is, is one heart. As we look here in the first few verses, Paul, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you then. And, and I think it quite literally means as a prisoner of the Lord. Paul most likely wrote this from, from in Roman imprisonment. He's writing one of his epistles, the, Roman, um, the prison epistles. And he writes here to the Ephesian church, giving them some direction. And, he, and he's urging them, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And sometimes when we think of the word worthy, it means I need, I need to be worthy of this thing I've been given. I, I don't deserve this until I'm worthy. And that's, that's not what he means in this context. What it means more is you've been given all these incredible things. You have this in Christ. This is part of your identity. These amazing, awesome blessings that I've been talking about. But he does say that there should be some kind of appropriate response from us then. It's like, well, God, if that's me, then what, what do I do? How do I, how do I live as this kingdom citizen? What does it mean to be a part of your family, your body? And honestly, if we're to sum this entire part we've just read up, it would be this idea of unity. This idea of, of, of intimacy, of oneness, that this collective body of various different members learning to be one, learning to get along, learning to love each other, and learning to care for each other. And, and it kind of starts with, okay, so what kind of heart and attitude kind of comes as part of this calling we've received? What are, what are some of the things that, that, we, that we need to do in order to really get along? And it mentions a few different things. It mentions to be completely humble, uh, to be gentle, 
patient and bearing one another in love. And it talks about this idea of making every effort to keep the unity in the spirit. And, and so these different qualities, when I, when I think of humility, I think this is kind of like being aware of your, your spiritual littleness, like our, our moral lowness, being aware of just, just our low position. It's like the idea that really, really we should be kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of the universe, but we have been made incredibly significant through Christ. But that should bring with it a sense of humility. And in a group like this, there's no place for one-upsmanship, trying to exalt ourselves above another. There's no place for competitiveness. There's no place for me. I'm trying to be better. or trying to glorify myself. A body just breaks apart when that happens. There's only place for humility. I'm just going to lower myself. I'm going to try and lift you up. I'm going to highlight your gifts. I'm just going to. I'm going to invite you in for help me. I mean, there's this beautiful humility that expresses itself in a, in a group like this. If we're going to be the body of Christ, it talks about being gentle. Being gentle or gentleness or meekness sometimes is translated as it's not just being kind of weak or passive or I'm just kind of, I don't make an impact, I'm not saying anything, I'm not doing anything. Gentleness is more like power under control. Gentleness usually is used in scripture when it's someone has some sense of authority over another. Like I could be harsh here. As a parent, I could be domineering over my child, but instead I'm going to gently love them and instruct them and guide. Jesus was kind of gentle when he was driving over tables in the, in the temple. When he was made a whip and drive them out, there was a degree of gentleness because he could have just, with a Thanos snap, puffed them out of existence <laughs> just like that. But he, he controls himself and, and, he's, and he's able to be, to be gentle. Uh, you think of patient. A patient isn't a passive waiting. It's not just, I'm, I'm going to make no impact, I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. It's this kind of persevering endurance. I'm going, to, I'm going to remain in. I'm going to stay in the fight. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm going to keep loving people and connecting and trying to do this, which very much links to bearing with one another in love. You know what that kind of means? If we need to bear with one another in love, it means sometimes there's some people that we find kind of unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what that means. Yeah. If you have to bear with someone, someone in love, probably doesn't come supernaturally. Well, no, sorry. It does come supernaturally. It doesn't come supernaturally. That was, sorry, the bad language used there. Um, it doesn't come naturally to us. It means we have to try. Maybe there's people in this room you just kind, kind of find difficult. You wouldn't be around them if you had a total free choice about it. They just happen to be put in the same family as you, and they rub you the wrong way sometimes. Or probably sometimes they sin against you in ways that are legitimately wrong, and it hurts. And what do we do in those moments? We, we bear with each other in love. We don't quit. We don't throw it in. We don't leave. We decide, well, you know what? I'm, I'm here for the long haul and I'm here to fight this through together. And, and this kind of links again. We make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We don't make the unity of the Spirit. We keep it. We've been given this beautiful unity. We've been given this incredible sense of oneness. Uh, we have to make every effort to maintain it and to keep it. And Because if, if we don't, that can go. Division can occur. When, when, when we think of a community like this, and as I look around at the, the sheer diversity of, of ages, of ethnicities, of different kinds of backgrounds and lifestyles, and if we're honest, how many of us would even have known each other had it not been for God? Had it not been for us becoming Christians, we might not even have met. And if we did meet, would we have been friends? Would we have decided to be in each other's lives? We certainly wouldn't love each other the way we do now. 
Because we only do that because of Jesus. I wouldn't have the ability to love people the way I do if it weren't for Jesus. I just couldn't. I, in my flesh, I would not be able to do that. I would just gravitate towards the people that are just like me. And I'd find really comfortable to be around. And then I would just distance myself from anyone else. And, and that's, I think this is so special for me, um, preaching this today to, to you specifically. Because I've received all these, these qualities from you. Not that I have the qualities. I mean, I've, I've experienced your humility. Not that I am now perfectly humble. That's not what I mean. I mean, I've experienced your humility. I've experienced your patience with me. I think that many times I was the person that was unbearable to love. I was hard. I was difficult. I made it challenging for people to love me, let alone like me. It was not easy. And, uh, and, and so many of you, I even seeing Richard again here and seeing Tim, and from the very first start when I was initiate, they were initiated to study the Bible with me. Man, did I make it difficult. I, knew, I was the guy who didn't turn up to the Bible studies. I forgot. I said I'd be there. I wasn't. Just had no integrity. I'd, I'd sleep in. I'd laze around. I just made it challenging. Anytime we did meet up, I spent the whole time arguing and bringing out nippity details. Just making it so challenging. And the sheer perseverance they had with me, the patience, them bearing with me in love is why I stand here today. Amen. I'm here today because they didn't quit on me. They, they didn't give up. None of you did. And so many of you loved us. I, I look at Anna Kaiser's beaming face. I remember times weeping in her lap over different things that happened. And usually it was a result of my sin and mess I got myself into. And she's helping me unravel that and being patient as she gives her time, her food, her energy, her life to me. So many of you. The pranks I pulled on different people, Rudy and Lizelle, <laughs> pretending to steal your car that time. And the, the ridiculous things I've done to people at different times. But you fed with me in love, and I'm grateful for that. And you don't hold that against me at all in any way, shape, or form, which I'm really grateful for. <laughs> um, these, these things, when I think about myself, I wrestle with these qualities. Probably the hardest thing for me is, is um, staying intimate with people. Because for me, my natural default, if I get hurt by someone, I'm running 100 miles. I'm gone. Like, I, I get a whiff of you're going you're gonna to let me down or you're going to hurt me, I'm out of it. Like, I, I would shut down, I would cut off. We're not, we're not close anymore. Yeah. I, honestly, this week, really been wrestling with that. I had a brother, like, it, 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 it wasn't a massive event, but it really hurt me. It was a close friend and something he'd done just made me feel so let down and so discouraged and just so... Um, just hurt within our friendship. And, and I've had to, re and in my head, I'm like, I'm giving up on this guy. We're not going to be friends anymore. I'm not going to try in this friendship. This is, too, this is too hard. We'll be kind of casual fellowship friends. And I'll see him at church and I'll put on the brave face that we're not going to be close anymore. And I've had to wrestle through that and, see, and, and strive for, for, to reconnect and reconcile and say, no, I've got to bear with you in love. I've got to help you. And as a pastor speaks later, maybe I've got to speak the truth in love and you've got to speak the truth in love to me. And, but we've got to find that, that unity. And yeah. this is what we need to do. Yeah. We, we need to make every effort for this because it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. It doesn't come easy at all. This is really hard. Yeah. This, is, this is, I remember Tim once saying when we were studying the Bible, and this was really challenging for me for the idea of being part of the church because I couldn't just turn up on Sundays. I got that. Like I had to be in people's lives. <laughs> we had to be friends. I was like, that's really hard for me. And everybody's saying to me, it's like, this is like one of those commands. It's like the command to eat chocolate. If you like chocolate or cake or whatever your favorite thing is. And I remember saying that to me, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's kind of an amazing command because we get this incredible family and we get these amazing relationships and we get unity and fellowship and peace and connection that you don't experience anywhere else in the world. But it's also kind of hard 
and it's challenging and you have to try. As you look at this, which of these are most difficult for you? Well, as you come into a fellowship like this today, what, what do you find most challenging? Are you the kind of person that would just too easily be harsh with someone and overbearing and heavy-handed? Do you, do you struggle with the pride to exalt yourself and compare yourself and judge people around you? Do you just want to quit? It's hard for you to be perseverant and patient, maybe in your faith in general or even with other people. Is it, when it, when I think when it talks about making the, every effort to keep the unity, there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper just smiles puts on a brave face and says everything's okay, but they know it's not. They know there are some serious issues that need dealing with. A peacemaker strives for those things to resolve them in love and to reconcile. Are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? Are you making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit? We, we need to strive for these things, amen? And the next thing is one body. I love this next few verses um, where it talks about the, the various things of which there are so many that unite us and connect us. One body. Uh, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. What he's given us is just consistent foundation of which we can build this unity. What, what do we have that, that the world doesn't have which, which bonds us and which unifies us? And it's these things here. We're part of one body. And that's not the same as one church or one congregation. One body is every disciple of Jesus across this globe is part of that body. Whether they're near or far, whether you see them regularly or not. We haven't seen each other for a long time, but we have remained to be part of the same body. But especially that's so much more the case of those close to you, in your congregation, maybe in your family group. that that we, We have this oneness that bonds us. We're part of the same body, the body of Christ. We have one spirit. When you take time to really think about that, that's incredible. We all, as if, if you've been, if you've repented, if you've been baptized, if you are a redeemed believer of Christ, you've been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit. It, it, God's Spirit lives inside of you. The same Spirit in me is in every single one of us. There were disciples here today. That's amazing. The same Spirit in us was the same Spirit in Paul that wrote the Ephesians. It was the same Spirit that wrote Jesus from the dead. It's the same Spirit we read about. It's the same Spirit in each other. That's so encouraging as well because sometimes... We, maybe we can judge each other and, and, and we're not sure about that. We've got different vibes. Of, we, we are all vessels of the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. No matter what we look like on the outside or how we kind of act or our quirks or hobbies or anything else, we're all vessels of the Holy Spirit. We all have one hope. Every single one of us, we, we long for that hope that when we die and we pass over, we all see God face to face. And we all hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We all hope that we will live with God in eternity in heaven. In fact, we, we know that by faith. But that's it. That's our hope that we long for. We each and every one of us have that same hope of the inheritance in, in heaven. We have the same Lord, Jesus Christ. Every one of us have, have submitted ourselves to Jesus. He is our Lord. He is our, our, our model, our example, our, our guide. We, we follow Jesus. That's what each and every one of us do. We have one faith. And some of this is, is doctrinal. We all believe these same things. When we stand and we make our... We, we make our public confession often when we get baptized. We acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We acknowledge that he died on the cross, was in the tomb for three days, and rose again. We believe this. This is our faith that, that Jesus doesn't remain in the grave, that he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And right now, he is at God's right hand in heaven. We all, long, we all hold on to that faith. That is what unifies us. We have one baptism. 
Not multiple, different stuff. Every single one of us. One baptism, we're submerged underwater for the forgiveness of our sins. And we've all been baptized into Christ. We have one God and Father overall. We all share the same Heavenly Father. Each and every one of us. Every time we pray, we pray to the same God and the same Father. We, we kind of know these things, but these are so important because we can get so distracted from these things. Because what we can start doing is start looking at the things that are different about us. Yeah. And what, what's, what's not the same and what's different and, and how this person looks or how they, do they like the same music I like or do they do the same things I like or are they into rugby or not? Are they South African? I like, you know, <laughs> these things kind of can, can, can cause us to be divided. But, but these are way more important than anything that's different about us. The things that are different are insignificant and won't last past death. These are the things that are important. These are the things that last for eternity. These are the things that bond us. Yeah. We're in a very divided time, are we not? Yeah. Whether you are a Brexiteer or a European Union lover, we can all agree it's a mess and it's been a bit crazy. But we have a divided nation that's kind of separated over this. And there's these back and forth wars and some people want to stop the Brexit mess. Some people think they're bad losers because we had a vote and let's get on with it. There's incredible amounts of division over all of these things. And, and honestly, that's kind of how the world operates. And we, we get in these little exclusive groups. And, and the kind of groups you're a part of are usually bonded over something else that's really kind of insignificant. And we can bond over the group. I believe this and I believe that. And I have these political beliefs and I have those kind of beliefs. And, 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 and they're really insignificant things. But the challenge we can find in the body of Christ is sometimes we can focus on those things. Mm. And, and I, I don't think we talk about politics. We don't tend to talk about politics that much in, in church. I don't know how we are here. I don't think so. But, but there could be other things like that. Other things that we can focus on which don't matter. They're not important. And we, they can cause us to be divided from each other. Mm. And those things we need to be careful of. And what's the solution to that? We focus on everything that unites us. Yeah. On the thing we have in common. The thing that provides this incredible sense of oneness and of unity together. That as we come in here today, we're worshipping the same God. We're praying to the same Father. We have the same hope. We have the same walk. We have the same Lord. This is incredible. It's amazing that I can come back here after so many years and we still have such a connection and such a unity. That is beautiful. It's amazing you can kind of go anywhere in the world and meet disciples. And you, there's that, we have the same spirit. And it might look different. Unity is not uniformity. They might do kind of different things. and They might practice their faith in a different way. But you get, they're a disciple. They love Jesus too. They, they, they're on this new path. That's such an incredible thing that we get to share together. And lastly, we have one goal. We have one shared goal in common together, which is the building up of the body of Christ. And there's a few different things in this, this last section of, of Scripture here. Because um, it, it talks about the, the way kind of God has set up the body. And it says here in verse 11 that it was he, speaking about Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers for the purpose of what? To prepare God's people for works of service. So it says uh, Christ has kind of arranged the body in a certain way, and he's given some, some people he's given certain gifts and certain roles to, and, and these predominantly speak about more kind of leadership roles and leadership gifts, who are the goal being there to equip the body for works of service. So the goal of an evangelist is not to do all the evangelism, it's to help everybody. We have the mission on their heart and be focused on scripture. The, the job of a shepherd is not to be the only person who is helping people. No, it's, it's to equip everybody, it's to help each and every member function. But we know elsewhere from scripture that every single part of the body, God has arranged in the way it's supposed to be. 
He set each part with different unique gifts and talents and, and with different hearts and ambitions. And, and he's put every single one of us the way we're supposed to be so that we can help the body grow. And there's a few things here. Um, you know, I'll share this in one second. <laughs> I know. I, see, I'm, I'm being a good sport. I'm being a great sport. Okay? Um, and so, so it talks about this idea to equip people for works of service of the body of Christ being built up and to all reach, all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And the idea of maturity kind of means, like, it gives an idea of like a full-grown man. Like, if we're a body, we want to be a, a big, kind of strong, full-grown body. That's why I show this guy. How do you say his name? Etzebeth? Ebenezerbeth? Etzebeth. I'm being such a good sport right now. Oh, my God. I was sour. I was so sour for hours afterwards. I was demoralized. I, I look at this guy on the pitch. This guy's a beast. I see him when he's playing rugby, and I'm so glad I'm not on that pitch. <laughs> Seeing him just smash into different men, it's unbelievable. The guy is built like a tank. It's overwhelming. The other image that's given in this passage are, are toddlers tossed around by the waves. It, it talks about these that we, we don't want to be like newborns just kind of thrown back in here. We want to have this sense of, of strength and of maturity. So we don't want to be this. We want to be this. We don't want to be a little toddler getting blown around. We don't want to have this sense of weakness. We want to have that, this sense of strength, this sense of stability. That's kind of the idea it's getting us here as we, as we think about this. Um, Christ himself gave these roles. And, 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 and how do we do this? There's some, some practicals in this verse. So what, what are some of the things that help us kind of become strong as a body? Because if our, if our shared goal is the growth of the body, if our shared goal is we want to see each and every believer continue to be more like Jesus and continue to grow in their faith, but we as a collective body, we also want to keep growing. Well, there's a few things it says here. The first one, uh, one of them here, is speaking the truth in love. This is one of those kind of, kind of uncomfortable things in the body. Sometimes we need to have honest and real conversations with people. Um, I've learned this a real hard way in marriage. Because right, marriage, marriage is, is, you know, it's kind of designed as the one relationship on earth which is supposed to have kind of perfect intimacy with another individual. It's the kind of closest you would ever be. But, but part of that, as you, as you get close to someone, that's kind of uncomfortable. And as you really open yourself up, there's some ugly parts inside of each and every one of us that we start to see. And even as I've been married, it's just exposed in myself just various aspects of my, my ugly side, which isn't pretty to look at. And as a single man, you can somewhat ignore some of those things. And when you get married, these things start to really come to light. As, as many of the people married here, I see the faces. We know this, right? These things start to come to light. And there's been several conversations myself and my wife have had to have where in love, she's kind of had to speak the truth to me and point out the error of my ways. And usually for me, it, it is a lack of patience and harshness. They're, they're probably the two biggest things that keep coming up in my marriage. I will be, I'll be stressed, I'll be frustrated, and love kind of quickly disappears somehow. And all of a sudden, with my impatient, frustrated spirit, I just want to bam, 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 bam. So I do a lot of speaking the truth sometimes, but it's not always in love. Or, and it's not always true, to be honest. Sometimes I'm just talking rubbish. And, and most of the time, actually. Um, but, so we have to have these conversations, and, and often what's helped us, again, with the Simpsons, we have another couple, and we sit down together, and we, we bear our hearts, and we get real, and, and Mike, that's Mike and Julie in the East, and they've just been fantastic in helping our marriage kind of mature and grow. 
But, but this is the same with every member of the body. We have to do this with each other. Where, where sometimes we, we might see something, sometimes someone might have said something and it just, oh, it hurts us a little bit. And sometimes, yes, love, love, cut, love does cover over a multitude of wrongs. But sometimes there are some wrongs we need to have a little chat about and we need to talk about. And, and that's okay to have those conversations. But it does have to be in love. Not you hurt me, so I'm going to make you feel how much you hurt me. And you're going to get this and you're going to feel my wrath. And not, it's not meant to be from this sense of anger and judgment. It's supposed to be from a place of love. You know, honestly, sometimes we just see things in people that we know it's not right. Yeah. And we know that, that, and sometimes we don't, we can't put our finger on it. I've had this, sometimes it's like, there's something doesn't feel right here. And as I read the Bible and I see their life, something doesn't, there's something there. And sometimes it's, Proverbs 25 talks about this, the heart of, um, heart of a man is deep waters, when a man of understanding draws them out. And sometimes we need those conversations to help people see what it is. Tim Dannett has been, was early on one of the biggest voices in my life for this. And I remember seeing it, I can't remember, we were in some pub somewhere early on as I was a young Christian, and I remember you saying the very words to me, Jack, you've got to attack your pride. And I remember thinking, why are we talking about pride? <laughs> that was out of the balloon. What are you talking about? I'm not proud. <laughs> and obviously that resulted in a subsequent conversation, because I'm, I'm proud, I'm going to attack my pride. But we had a conversation, he drew it, and he showed me just the pride in my character and just the times of arrogance, the times I was just, so it was just, and I would see it and I'm like, that's so ugly. But I'm so grateful for you showing me that. I'm so grateful for the times people have had those conversations with me and pointed those things out. And honestly, quite frankly, if you see something in me and you, you don't bring it up, you're not my friend. You don't love me. Like, why are you not sharing that? If there's something in me, which is not pleasing to God, why are you not sharing that with me in love? Like, if you really love me, you're not going to see me just wander off this broken, beaten path. You want to help me. You want to love me. And, and that's, that's, what, that's the heart we need to have for each other. We love each other. We speak the truth. We help each other. We encourage each other. We, whatever it may be, but we're, we're really intimately in each other's lives, helping each other to be more like Jesus. And the other one is that each part does its work. The body only functions when every part functions. And it's funny because every part only functions properly when the whole body functions. You ever notice that? When the body's doing well and parts can do well, and when parts are doing well, the body does well. And it's just this, it's this collective thing. That's why I, I can't easily detach members of my physical body. That wouldn't be a sensible thing to do. Right? They're a part of me. And every little bit of it serves, it serves its function. But that's kind of challenging just practically when we come to church today. What spirit are we coming to church with? I think one of the really dangerous things in Christendom today is we can be these Christian consumers. I want to turn up to church for a nice spiritual experience. I want to, I want to hear some nice, nice sermons and nice messages. I want to hear some good worship. Sometimes we sit there and we criticize. Ah, oh, that wasn't very good. They tell, oh, I didn't like that. And I didn't like the way they did worship. And where are the teasing cop? What happened here? And, and sometimes we have this, <laughs> this critical spirit can occur because it doesn't fit our expectations. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? That's the consumerist mindset. The mindset we're supposed to have is I'm part of this body. I'm going to come and I'm going to turn up and I'm going to function. I'm here to love. I'm here to give. I'm here to contribute. I'm here to build up the body of Christ. This ain't about me. It's about us. Amen. It's not about what I can get out of this. It's what I can give. It's what I can contribute. It's how I can help. And the challenge is, do we, do we have that spirit? It can be so easy and so challenging to fall into the mindset of the opposite. And honestly, it's not extreme. It can be, be kind of easy to fall into that. But you have a rough week. Things get challenging. 
It's been tough, and sometimes you can feel like, I just want to turn, I just need to, I just need to be given to today. I'm just going to turn up, I'm just going to receive. But actually it's counterintuitive, but scripture tells us that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The way we get refreshed is by refreshing others. Because when you turn up with a sourpuss face and you're kind of just grumpy and you're not particularly giving, you're likely not going to get given to very well. If you turn up, it's it's good to be real, like, hey, I'm not feeling great, and it's good to share about that, but remind him, how can I help you? That's when we all get get our needs met. If everybody turned up focused on themselves, no one's needs gets met. If everybody turns up focused on everybody else, everyone's needs gets met. Again, it's this beautiful cyclical thing as a part of the body of Christ, but each and every one of us need to do our work. I, I do think of the rugby South African team yesterday. And, and, the, and the truth was, I, there was some, you know, in England there were some early blunders, right? Straight, I heard as well, apparently we were late. Apparently we were late turning up. And so I can imagine some of the players are frazzled, frazzled, someone turned up, someone, who knows what happened. They're throwing passes into open field and no one's there. And, and we lose momentum, we slow down. And, and I'm watching this in England fans just like, oh my goodness, this is discouraging. And you see the hope slowly dwindle away as the scoreline increases. And, and it was really only about 65, 70 minutes I abandoned all hope. <laughs> up until that point, I was like, we can still get back. We can still do it. But, but for some reason, England turned up and every part didn't function. And, and it was a bit all over the place. And, and it just was beating against each other. Honestly, you look at South Africa, every part functioned the way it was supposed to. Yeah. They played well. They crushed us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's such a good illustration if you look at that team. It was just unbelievable seeing the shit. Like, when you see a rugby team play, it's like they're operating with one mind. Mm, yeah. They're all individual members, but you kind of see them as a, as a solid single team. Mm. And the, the line speeders, they're coming up, crushing our guys. They're hitting all the passes and making the right kicks at the right times. And every, every part was functioning in that team. And they are the Rugby World Cup champions. And well done to them. And congratulations to you all here today. But, and I'm glad about this, rugby's very insignificant in the grand scheme of things, right? (laughs) Right? Rugby doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. What really matters is the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. What really matters is us functioning as one team, as each part of us, each, every one of us doing our part. That we have one heart as we aim to grow in the qualities of Christ. That we have one body and we focus on everything that unites us. And as we have one goal, seeking to build up the body together. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jack. It's been too long, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been too long. You've got to come back again soon. Actually, you might kidnap me, right? (laughs) Tremendous, tremendous. I want to thank you very much. I want to ask Tim Shepard to come up, actually, and uh, say Um, a big thank you, marvelous to have Jack and Amy and Liza. Can we get the whole gang? Hopefully, she might be, he might be feeding. Yeah, we'll see. Yes, <laughs> come through and see us, please. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you so much. I think there was uh, just tremendous experiences in there for us. We're very grateful. Now, how long do I have to sing this out? Uh, <laughs> it's going to be Elijah. No, it's important that we have him. Is there any way? Because we love Elijah, we'd like to see him just one more time. And, uh. Come on, Elijah.